Yo, yo, yo. We are live here on Calcio Connection and support for the Calcio Connection pod is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is taking over the world and is now available, Jerry, in all of Europe, all of Canada, and I know you're rejoicing about this, Australia, where we have a lot of listeners, and New Zealand. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, so join the movement for all of your below-the-waist grooming needs. And, Jerry, I will add that Valentine's Day is coming up, all right? February 14th, it's going to be here before we know it, a little bit more than a week away. And the way that I look at Manscaped, Jerry, is uh, it's a really great product. The, the the Lawnmower 3.0 is fantastic. You get the toner, the cologne, even boxer briefs that come with the kit. It's really sensational stuff. Uh, but it's not only a gift for you. It's really a gift for your significant other, right? Because your significant other may not want to have to you know, go through the Vietnamese jungle every time she's downstairs, right? So I, I think having the great grooming in the peninsula south of the equator it's as much of a gift for your wife, your girlfriend, your significant other than it is uh, for yourself. So I think that's one of the important things to remember about Manscaped. No, absolutely. Um, it's just an easy gift for her to pay, to purchase, basically, instead True. of having to go to the mall and just trying to decide what to buy. But you know what? Gets a pound off your back, too. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And so, guys... Europe and Australia, because Manscaped recently expanded uh, to new frontiers, new continents, Europe and Australia are about to get less hairy. That's right, folks. If you live in the EU, you can now purchase Manscaped products. If you live there, you've gone years without using the right tools for the job. And I know from firsthand experience, Jerry, if you use tools that are not designed for that specific area, you can get in a lot of trouble. Many years ago, before I knew about Manscaped, in fact, I'm not even sure if Manscaped existed at that point. Thank God they do now. I decided to do some grooming downstairs with the same trimmer that I use on my beard. It's not made for the skin down there. A lot of pain, a little bit of blood, a lot of screaming. It was not an experience I'd like to remember. And I've I've since learned my lesson uh, discovering Manscaped. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and they just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. This is the third-generation trimmer featuring a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. And Jerry, when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. Not only is the blade uh, a feat of modern science, but the battery will last you up to 90 minutes. I've had my Manscaped kit, Jerry, for, uh, what is it, about uh, two weeks ago we got our kit shipped. I haven't even had to charge it yet because, like, you know, I'm not hairy enough down there that I've needed, like, a full 90 minutes to get the job done. I've not even had to charge my lawnmower yet. It, it, the battery lasts that long. You said you, you, you bought a machine that made you bleed. Where did you get it from? The, the dollar store? Uh, Walgreens. But it Walgreens. was, you know. Yeah, it was something that I used to to trim the beard and, and shave the head. The thing is, like, mm, it's not uh, it's not made for the downstairs area. It's not. No, made. it sounds like it doesn't it doesn't do the job, man. It can't it can't take a nine inch hair. 
<laughs> and the, the waterproof technology also allows you to groom even in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light. It illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. And they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Let's not forget about the charging stand. It's really cool as well. You can show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is convenient charging dock powered by USB. So if you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. And guys, again, this is the perfect month. Um, you know, maybe if your girl's not listening, your significant other, you can drop that hint like, hey, honey, you know, Valentine's Day coming up. If you're looking to get me something, I heard Alex and Jerry talking about this great product and we get you guys a deal. We get you a discount. If you're listening right now, you can get 20% off plus free shipping with our code CALCHO. It's just the word CALCHO, C-A-L-C-I-O. Get 20% off your order and free shipping at manscaped.com. And if you're watching us either live or replay on YouTube, you can see it on the scroll there at the bottom of the screen, manscaped.com. Our code is CALCHO. So I encourage you to take advantage of it. 20% off with free shipping. Use our code CALCHO. And I promise and, and Alex, your will thank you. And don't forget, Alex, do you, do you want your girls or do, do you want to be kissed by a guy who shaves with his shaver on his balls. Like seriously, like when he when he shaves your balls and it's <laughs> a great point. And then you shave your face. It's like you're kissing his sweaty balls. <laughs> so do you want to kiss his sweaty balls? Or do you want to clean a clean face that didn't touch his sweaty balls? And, and the manscape can get up your asshole too because it's nice and small. Like you can get those those air those hairs that are stuck between. Your he's not wrong, guys. He's not wrong. <laughs> he's absolutely right about that. So, so remember, and he's right because it's nice to have not only to have the different product for upstairs and downstairs. You don't want your girl kissing sweaty balls. That's, that's my motto. <laughs> Manscaped.com. Check it out. Welcome in to another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast, connecting with you Italian football fans from all over the world. We we just got uh, finished watching Napoli drop three points, lose two to one against Genoa. Alex Dono alongside Jerry Mancini, welcoming in a first time guest here to the program. I, I've been interacting and following this man on Twitter for a long time, and, and I thought it was uh, it was way past time to get Dave on and you guys know him from Calcio Twitter from Inter Twitter at Forza Inter Haiti does a fantastic job and I know Dave is happy that we're bringing him on after an Inter victory so we don't have to bitch and complain about everything how you doing Dave? <laughs> hey guys thanks for having me on as you know Dono I'm a big fan of the show and um, I always make sure to tweet at you guys and especially Jerry because Jerry uh, and his colorful language man he definitely adds a lot to the show and I'm, I'm glad to be on <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> we got the head to head coming up pretty soon. I mean, in, Inter and Lazio are on a collision course. I know, I know, Jerry, you're probably focusing on Cagliari for tomorrow. And you know, for those who are not watching us live, and you may listen to this back, uh, you know, we're recording this on Saturday, so the uh, Cagliari is taking on Lazio on Sunday. 
I think it's going to be Lazio's sixth straight league win. Like I think Lazio is going to end up, you know, facing Inter next weekend as the hottest team in Serie A. You guys have really hit your form. Uh, you know, Jerry, things have really been coming together for Lazio. Uh, you know, he had a, a tough stretch earlier in the year. What are you guys up to now? Sixth place, fifth place? I mean, you're knocking on the door for Champions League now. I want to say sixth place because Atal- we're tied with three-way tie with Napoli and Atalanta, actually. Because at um, Joseph from Fortinopoli was telling us today, 37 points. And Lazio technically have a game in hand where Napoli still has a game in hand. It's kind of weird where they still have their makeup game against Juventus, but Lazio right. haven't played their yet their game yet. But overall, if we were to win come tomorrow, we'll be three points ahead of Napoli with their game in hand. And Lazio just seemed like they're in the driver's seat all of a sudden. Whereas six weeks ago, people had counted them out. And before their unbeaten streak and their winning streak, many didn't believe that they can finish in a top four spot. I've always been a believer since the beginning of the year that this was a team that did decent in the in the uh, summer transfer market. Yeah, we didn't get the splashy players like, say, Inter did or Juventus have done in seasons or your, your top caliber teams, but I, I still believe that Lazio still had a decent transfer market, and it's it's coming all together now in the second half of the season where it becomes more tighter. Teams second time around also know how you play. They have an advantage because they already had the first meeting. They know what to expect maybe, and you're seeing that teams like Napoli who are now starting to struggle with form because of how much they've been playing, the competition. And then you have Inter who's coming a little bit more competition right now compared to Lazio where in a couple of weeks, Lazio will be on that on their side where they'll be playing more because of Champions League along with Juventus who, who also has a very tight schedule. And don't, don't forget you have Atalanta as well. So, the one thing I like that that Lazio did during the Coppa Italia, and I think that a lot of teams didn't do, was rotate their squad. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it perfect. Chido Mobile is not 100%. Uh, we got a, a lot of other players. Correa, I think, only came out as a substitute because he just came back from an injury. You got Luis Alberto, who didn't play because of an injury, but uh, Lucas Leva was rested. The only players I, I know that were certainly used was a Cherby, but that guy's made of steel. But overall, I I hope that they went tomorrow. I after watching Genoa versus La Napoli, it, nothing's guaranteed. It, this is the new Serie A this year where you don't know what to expect. Um, when I was watching Fiorentina versus Inter yesterday, before Barella scores, it looked like Fiorentina maybe could have stolen a point up until that point. And then the, the second chance they get in the whole game against against Fiorentina, once again, it's Barella, and he scores this time from far distance. So, you know what? It, it's it's anybody's game this year. I, I don't know who to to think is going to win the Scudetto. Should it be Milan? Yeah, but we can see Milan dropping points too at any time. So... The team you have to watch out for is Juventus because now they're oh, yeah. starting to they're starting to look much better. Yeah, that that was a, a clinical performance uh, by Juve, no question. I, I want to, especially since we have Dave on, uh, you know, I want to start with a review of that Inter victory uh, at Fiorentina. It, it was 
interesting playing the game on a Friday. It was actually kind of nice to play it on Friday and to get the win. Had it been a loss, it would have just put a sour taste in my mouth. But to get the victory on a Friday and then get to just enjoy all the games over the weekend that don't involve Inter was actually kind of a relief. But yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll kick it off, uh, uh, Dave. With uh, I thought Jerry hit it on the head with Barella. You know, could have had a goal early in the match. I think it was around the eighth or ninth minute when he had that great scoring chance. And Dragovski just had an awesome save. I mean, I always yes. going to be a little bit of a luck when it's that short distance. <laughs> but he got he got his exactly. left hand in the exact right place. You know, Barella uh-huh. ends up scoring the opening goal that changed the course of the game. Uh, what were your feelings overall coming out of that victory for Inter? Well, I feel good. I feel good. I know I like the the way the victory was uh, was acquired. To be honest, the fact that we didn't have to suffer for it, the fact that the goals came, and of course, we had a couple moments. Uh, I could think of the Bonaventura um, situation where it looked like we were gonna concede or whatnot. But for the most part, I'll say I'm very satisfied with the way uh, the guys managed the game. We we had to suffer at times because this is this is a stadium where we haven't won in what four or five years before before uh on friday so um i'm satisfied and speaking of barella uh what a player man what a player he's becoming um i'm 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 optimistic but i could have never imagined that year two at enter he would be the guy that we're we're putting in the conversation to get the badge this year as the best mid midfielder so I, i love this kid um speaking of the occasion the first shot that he got um as a midfielder, when you get in, when you, when you get put in that position, only thing you can ask for is for them to hit the target, you know. Mm-hmm. And he, he made the run, he hit the target. But you know, if you wanted to be a little picky, it's like in the middle of the goal, you know, like probably a little a little left, a little right, then it, it would have went in. But credit to Dragovski, it was a reflex save. But Barella ended up got, getting them for a better goal at the end, so I'm happy. And I, I got to give uh, Handanovic some credit. Had a couple nice saves in this game as well. I thought it very important to say that because anytime yeah. Handanovic screws up, you know, Nera Zuri, oh. myself included, Inter supporters will jump all over the guy because he doesn't have the same sort of reflexes that he used to have, and he's made a lot of errors this year. But uh, Handanovic oh. stood tall in this net, in that net, in this game. So I, I couldn't ask for much more from him. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Hakimi was good in this match. W- what's been your take, uh, Dave, on on Alexis? Because he's he, he's really he's really creative, and and he's still uh, he's got some really good chemistry with with whoever his strike partner is. I mean, he does a nice mm-hmm. job, you know, both with with Lautaro and with Lukaku. Uh, but you start to get a little bit frustrated when the goal drought for him. The guy just can't seem to score anymore. Yeah, and to be honest, it not only does it does it look like he can't seem to score, but it even looks like he's not even looking to score at some times because he over dribbles a lot. He holds the ball up sometimes. He, he he actually he's gotten us in trouble a couple of times. We've conceded because of him holding the ball up, and next thing you know, we we suffering a counter. But um, I got to give him credit, man. He seems to figure it out about as far as Hakimi goes. He times Hakimi's runs perfectly. He was the one that had the hockey assist on the, on the second goal. That was that was perfect. Um, so as far as Sanchez goes, I'm satisfied with what I'm, we're getting out of him, even if it's if it's not really showing up on the stat sheets. It's not assists. It's not goals. You can see him. The guy's all over the pitch. He's coming short to play. It's like an extra midfielder. The um, we're, we're hard to defend when when it's like that. He's, he's not stationary. And let's say a center back. The center backs don't want to have to follow him all the way inside the the, the midfield. So. 
he creates for the team. So I'm 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 satisfied with him. I would have loved to, to to get the swap with Jacko because as we could see, as we saw against Juve um in midweek, once you don't have that big body and that system to hold up, you can struggle. So um I'm happy with Sanchez overall to answer your question. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. And even uh, Ivan Perisic even found a goal in this game, which is uh, it's encouraging because you know if, if you were to have asked me, you know, about a, a year, year and a half ago, if Perisic would ever score another goal for Inter, I would have, I would have bet my life that he wouldn't. So I was, I was happy to see that as well. Uh, this guy's been so frustrating. He seems to always get in positions on on headers, and for some reason, he's winning free headers, but he just can't keep it down. But uh, I'm I'm happy he got the tap in. I'm happy he got his goal. I I, I want to add to that. Hold on, Perisic is not a natural wing back, so I, I think that sometimes he's at a, a disadvantage where the way you're asking him to play is not his natural style. It's not his natural way. He he's a natural winger and he's trying to adapt to a new role. And and as time progresses, I think that yesterday he looked really good. That he made his runs looked much better. He was beating. Uh, I forgot who was on his side, but. He was being his man one-on-one. He, he kind of got space down the wing, and I thought that he got some crosses in as well. But at the end of the day, I think he, he's been a serviceable player down that side compared to what they had last year. So he, he's been an upgrade, and I think that going to – he was with Liverpool last season, right? If, uh, Byron. 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 Thank you, thank you. He, yeah, he, he won a treble. I guess he he brought that experience back with him. I hope. Well, that, that's the that's the thing. I think that since he left last year on loan, and then he came back this year, he looks more confident. He looks more of a renewed player. Where he's adding more, and he's also earned the respect of Conte, which is really hard to do. So, I think sure. those are a lot of things you have to look in, in, into consideration. So. That that's how I see with Perisic. I take Perisic a lot too any day, but that's just me. He'd be a massive you know, upgrade. <laughs> you know, J- Jerry, I-, I wanted to get uh, your take on Barella because we were we were chatting about him earlier today, and uh, you know, before we get into just kind of the micro effort, you know, from the one game situation against Fiorentina, just in general, and this was something that you know Dave was talking about, you know, not imagining he would take this much of a leap forward, even in his second year at Inter. Um, you know, I, I watched him a lot at Cagliari, you know, only because he was linked so often to Inter that anytime I was watching Cagliari, I would really zoom in and, and watch Barella really closely. And I know that one of the common concerns from Interisti at the time when he was signed two summers ago was, can this guy provide enough in the final third? Like, can he score goals, right? Because he, I think his final year at Cagliari, he only had one goal. Um, I had a little bit of hope that he could score because... He was already getting call-ups with the net with the Azzurri at that time. He was playing a little bit with the national team, and he had some really quality finish and a couple of nice goals with the Azzurri. So I saw that, and I'm thinking, okay, I think this guy probably can score. I think that there's something that can be developed there. And yeah, I mean, he's already got I think eight goal contributions this season. He's been he's been pretty lethal in the final third, and and the curling finishes that he's had on some occasions are, are just really impressive. So. I, mean, I hope he's the future captain of Inter. Like I, I could see, I could see him now. I mean, last year I would have told you Skriniar would have been the next logical choice, but I think Barella at this point would be the logical choice to take the armband after Handanovic, you know, gives that up. Um, and so I, I think he'd really be the guy. I mean, he just such a well-rounded player. I mean, Inter are so lucky to have this guy 
you know, you know, you get the the third lung. He's always running. He's always winning tackles. He's got that mentality. And now the quality that he shows in his finishing, I think, is is really impressive. But, you know, uh, Jerry, what did you think about his overall game against Fiorentina? Because you were saying that you know, and obviously he scored the goal that changed the game. But, uh, you know, you, you maybe thought that, uh, that that he wasn't doing a whole lot in your mind before that. My mind just drifted off. I was listening the whole time, but you know, Dave, I like your beard actually, man. It's so you know, Alex, back a little bit. No, Alex, I'm, 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 going off, I'm going off topic I'm, here, but I like the beard. It's so nice to trim and it's proper. Alex, you should take lessons from him, man. Thank you. Well, Don't look at me. Don't look at me because I don't. I, I shave every three weeks if I could. I, I I haven't bought blades in over like maybe two years now. I don't know, man. I don't. I hate shaving. Period. But like, they, I know Alex tries to get the beard in, and like he had the mustache where he looked like he was supporting November. But um, freaking. But I like your beard, man. It's proper. You, it's the I most proper so, beard man. I've seen on this show so far. So it's good, man. Hey, the show. You, you, you hear that? You hear that, Dono? You know. <laughs> I'll try to step my game up. I, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have the tight beard game like Dave has. Like I'll, I'll, I'll grow it out really long, and I'll look like a mountain man. And uh, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I don't do. Uh, I, I need like a manscape for my face because I don't. Uh, I, I don't have good enough. Uh, I don't have good enough. I think, I, think, I think Jerry already warned us about that. You can't use the same one you use on there. Come on, Dono. Come on. I'll get another one that's just for the face. <laughs> no, but in, in regards to Barella, it, it's actually that he's clean shaven. That's why he's doing really well. But. Um, <laughs> No, no, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's the daughters. It's the daughters. You know, I I, I try to tell you guys, but Barilla, every time this guy has a new daughter, well, inter players, every time they have a new daughter, they they reach another level. You know, I, yeah. I can't prove it yet, but you already hear first. Well, Taro, didn't he just have a daughter? And like, look, look, yeah. look how good he's doing, man. Freaking all of a sudden, he's back to life. Maybe it's because he was having a kid for so like he was so worried about having his kid that and when COVID and everything, he wasn't sure. I don't know. Maybe sure. that affected him. Sure. You don't know what goes on people's lives. That, yeah. That's one thing. Like, you don't know if Lotaro was having any personal issues with his family stress. stress. Yeah, he, that that takes a toll on your game. And most definitely. Like definitely. they were saying this past week, I think he, he came out as on uh, he came out as a sub yesterday, right? Yeah. Apparently, yeah. yeah. They were, and the announcer said it perfect. He's like, it, it must be long nights because he just had his baby. And, like, who knows if he's up until 1 o'clock. Yeah, yeah, no mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's a, his whole, like, schedule's off now. And, and how he preps for soccer, for his football games now changes. So these are things that we don't take into consideration saying, hey, you know what, man, this guy's human just like us. We, I agree. We, we, we look at them differently because we, we see the, the dollar sign on their name. But the dollar yeah. sign doesn't change their 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 mental health, their health in general, how they live their life, and that's just like he's just one example. But no, I agree. But for Barella, he he's a special talent. What is he? Twenty two years old, guys, or 20? 23. 23. 23. Okay, so yeah, a twenty three year old, and I, and I love when people say, "Well, he's, he's just still twenty years old," and he 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 still needs to adapt. This is a perfect example of, of that scenario, but not very many transition to that kind of level where he's at in such a short term short span at the age of 23 um i yesterday i i was saying that he was the best box-to-box midfielder this season i've kind of changed my perspective on this not because i'm a lazio fan because sergey malinkovic savage has stepped up in the midfield without luis alberto um 
I think that Barella has a little bit more support in that midfield where he has a Vidal. He has a Stefano Sensi that can come off the bench. Um, who else would you – he's got a Brozovic. There's, there's so much that, that supports him in that midfield, and I think he has a better supporting cast overall. Whereas Lazio, you take out Luis Alberto, and who's who's helping Sergei Malinkovic-Savic now? Lucas Leiva is not the same player that he once was maybe last year or two years ago. He's still a great player. Mm-hmm. but And Sergei Malinkovic-Savic, I think, has only missed like one or two games this year, and that's because of COVID. He's been asked to, to step up when Luis Alberto had COVID as well, um, when Lucas Leiva had COVID. And he was relied upon in to play heavy minutes. I think he's near 2,000 minutes on the season. And he, he took extra day of rest this week just to to, uh, to, uh, to prepare for uh, Coyote. So there's a reason why he got MVP this past month in January. I thought the video was kind of a slap in the face because it was promoting everything that he had came close to scoring a goal, but it didn't show anything that he did productively in the midfield, which was kind of insulting, but that's a whole, that's a whole off topic. Um, I don't, I don't want to make this a Sergei Malinkovic moment because I, I don't want to be biased. And I want to say that it's neck and neck. Oh, I, it's neck and neck. So last year fan, I wouldn't be disappointed if Barella won it either because it, Vice versa was Alberella. They wouldn't be playing. They wouldn't be winning games. And and we had a, a pod earlier this year with Daniel Lucci, and we both agreed that he is their best player. You take Alberella in that in that midfield, and I kind of thought a few weeks ago maybe it was Lukaku that is more missed if he's not in the lineup. I kind of switched my it's mind. So back. hard to decide. Like it's so it hard is. to decide because right. I, I I think Jerry about how much Lukaku was missed. You know, against Juventus and Coppa Italia, Hakimi as well. To be fair, was also out for that game, and so like, it, it's like that. That one's neck and neck for me. And and I remember we we had that pod about a month ago. It was you, me, Lucci, and Joe Fischetti, and somebody brought up the question of who's been the MVP of Inter so far. And no, Joe Lucci. and I both said Lukaku, and you and Lucci both said Barella. But yeah. it's like I don't think anybody's wrong there. I, I think both of those guys are essential. No, you're right, but I, I think that at the end of the day, without Barella, there is no attack in that midfield. That's the problem. It becomes too stagnated where there's no flow. When when he's not in that lineup, who do you depend on? Brozovic has been too inconsistent. Like he, He's lost a step. I, I think that if, if Barella is not in the lineup and Christian Eriksen is in the midfield, there's something that you can – kind of like say, hey, now we have an attack. We got a game plan where we can advance the ball field. I don't feel like that's the thing with, with Brozovic. Brozovic. Maybe Sensi can do that too, but I just think that when you when you look in the back end, Barella is making good defensive plays. Um, in the attack, he can score. He's showing that now. He he, he was denied a goal by an amazing save by oh, Dragoski, yeah. but that was – I, I don't think that was – I think that was just luck a little bit and a little bit of it was good positioning. You know? It was good positioning. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. it was. It, it went yes, right at him. And, and I think that by him putting up that arm in, in, in very proper form was the, the ability for him to make that safe. But it, it's it's Barella. You, you see everything that's, that's being intertwined in the midfield. It all starts with Barella. God forbid, knock on wood, if that guy ever got hurt. The Inter yeah. is dust, man. I don't think they they go as 
productive as they are right now. Like, how many minutes has that guy played? I don't even think he took a game off yet either. <laughs> well, funny you would mention that because um, last year he got hurt, and then uh, we went on a, on a run of bad results. Like, I think he missed like a month or so, Donald. Yeah. Listen, we, that's when we realized how important this guy was, so I, I 100% agree with you. And this guy, him, this connection that he has with Lukaku and um, also Hakimi on that right side, that's that's our bread and butter. That's where we attack. I'm sure if we look at some kind of map of our attacks, everything's probably focused on that right side because the left is dead. Um, how many times you see him combined with Hakimi and he's putting in amazing crosses? This kid, man, I don't know. I can't say it enough. And I used to get worried every time he falls because he falls so hard. He's all action, and but he pops right up, man. It's yeah. like I'm not even worried anymore. He can get shot in the middle of the field. I'd be like, "Come on, Nicolo, let's go, <laughs> let's go play ball." You know, hey, we're what lucky you, to have him. What did you think about Hakimi yesterday? Because playing against, okay, so I was talking to Alex on the phone today, mm. and we we're discussing about tonight's pod, and, and I said to him, playing a team like Fiorentina, yes, Inter was really good yesterday. But at the same time, you got to remember that Fiorentina looked very slow. And we actually got to see how fast Inter is against a slow team. And I didn't realize how fast Hakimi is until yesterday. Like we, He's so fast. Like, he destroyed Igor. I think Igor yeah, The thing is, it's like, it's like he's a strides. He takes long strides. He doesn't even look like he's going fast. But you're looking at it, you see him separating, you know. I, I just think this guy, Hakimi, was getting criticized too early in the season. And I think a lot of players are being criticized way too often this year. And we're not treating – and I think it's it's unfair because a lot of these players are not playing in a regular season that they've been in compared to past seasons. There's been a lot of hurdles, obstacles, uh, constraints. And I think next year you'll see the true – form of what these players are like where they'll be playing a proper schedule of once a week not three times a week and having to come in late from training and all these variables that make you different what what, what do you think well i mean personally go, go ahead, uh, well personally to answer your question because you were asking me about hakimi um i must admit that i have been um a little um iffy about his form as of late because um, he has had games where you see that he's he's open because of his pace. That's one thing that you can never take away from him. He's always going to have that open that open space that he could run into. And when he gets the ball, his decision making has been questionable from time to time. A couple of times, um, I think it was last match actually. Um, Erickson had a beautiful ball to him, and instead of just cutting it back to to Lukaku who was wide open, he tried to head it first uh, at the first post, and he missed it. You know, so. That was just an example. The thing with him is the fact that he has the pace, he'll always get a chance to make up for his mistakes, but he makes plenty of mistakes as well. Um, and if we if we want to be picky and look at Hakimi, several times he gets the ball and he takes a shot when somebody's open or he picks the wrong, wrong option. But thank God for his speed, he's always going to get a chance to make right. And if he gets one assist or one goal a match, then that's, what, that's all we need from him, you know, no matter how many mistakes he makes. And I'm super happy. I'm super happy with Hakimi. This is this is a player that I hope we get to keep because we see the rumors that uh, Real Madrid wants him back, Chelsea wants him because Inter are broke and stuff like that. So I, ho I hope yeah. we keep him. I don't know. 
Well, well, sorry, I, I want to uh, I want to get into that actually since since Dave brought it up. Um, I, I've I've lost a lot of sleep the last few nights, and it's it's stupid because what what it, this is nothing I can control, right? But when I start yeah. to see, you know, this this Financial Times report that came out um, on Thursday or Friday, the headline is Inter Milan owner seeks two hundred million in emergency finance. You know, we we've been seeing the stories for weeks now. You know, as Inter just came out of uh, an exclusive negotiating period with a hedge fund out of the UK called BC Partners about buying stake in Inter. I mean, the the rumors varied from either buying a minority stake or a majority stake, and really buying the club from Suning. Um, and they they got out of and, and BC Partners apparently are still talking with Inter, but uh, Inter rejected their initial offer. And the problem was that they're so far apart on the valuation. Because like I've seen people saying, well, okay, if they because because uh, Suning has decided Inter are worth at least nine hundred million euros, and BC Partners only valued it at seven hundred fifty million euros. So then I people see people saying, well, okay, if they're far apart on it, just make a partial investment. But no, if you're if the two sides don't agree on the valuation, you can't make any investment because like if uh, let's say just to make it easier, Suning value Inter at one billion, okay. So then, if BC Partners uh, evaluate Inter at seven hundred fifty million, then you know if they're gonna if they're gonna make you know a, a seven hundred fifty million investment, it's for seventy five percent, where they want a hundred percent. So if you don't agree on the valuation, you can't make yeah. any investment. Like they they've got to come to some kind of an agreement on that. And you know there are other EQT partners are, are rumored to be in this. Bain Capital out of the United States are rumored to be maybe a part of this. There's a. I want the oil money. That's what I want. I, I want yeah, and there, there's a Middle Eastern fund as well. The name of it escapes me, but there's also a rumored Middle Eastern fund. I, I want oil money because oil is recession proof, unlike everything else going on right now. So that that would be the type of money that I want, but. Um, the bottom line too, is, is, and I want you to weigh in on this. I, I hope they can come to some kind of an agreement soon. Um, even if, like, even if Suning don't need to sell majority stake, if they can stay in control, I would be okay with that in theory because they've done a lot of good for Inter. Like, they they've really they've really helped this club, uh, you know, kind of come out of the banter era over the last few years. I don't want them to have to go, but. If they need fresh capital because their own Chinese government is restricting them making any sort of an investment in an, a, an, an overseas product, then unfortunately, Suning being in control of Inter is not sustainable because if they can't invest and they can't even pay salaries, then it's going to be a real problem. So I, I really think that within the next three, four weeks, we need some sort of capital to come in. So I hope they can resolve this problem soon. Yeah, it's a scary situation to be in, to be honest. Um, and you know, um, we're not the we're we're kind of like the what do you call it the the black sheep of Italy. So anything that goes on with Inter is blown out of out of proportion. So uh, the press the press are running with the stories. They're they're rerunning stories from months ago about how Sony um, couldn't pay the um, I think it was the TV rights, something like that. Something that I personally remember reading back in December not December, back in uh, October. Now, mm -hmm. now they're running it over again. Um, I wish I wish that Sunni could could stay in control because they've shown good intentions. You know, um, when everything was everything, uh, you've seen sponsors popping up here and there. You've seen uh, the, the proof is in the numbers, uh, the revenues, uh, 
we're, we're, we're bridging the gap with, with Juve at a consistent basis. And uh, the stadium, everything. Suning was doing what Inter fans would want an owner to be doing. But now that they have their hands timely at their back, um, the best thing would be to sell the club responsibly. Yeah. And um, make sure that it's somebody that cares for the club and it's not somebody that just want to flip it and um, make sure that it's somebody that, that respects the project and will continue it. Because most people are saying that uh, the project failed or whatever. I, 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 I don't agree. I feel like we're almost there, but we, we, we're not quite finished. Because when you look at the left side of the team, we still got a couple of players that, that, that were needed for us to say that, okay, the team is complete. Go win, you know? But that was kind of long-winded, but that was my way of saying that I hope everything gets resolved within the next couple of weeks so we could stop hearing rumors and actually focus on the football. Yeah. Oh, hey, I want to I add on that, Alex. Sorry. Sure. So I don't think it's a failed project, personally. Um, here's the thing. They were going through FFP back in what, 2017, 2016? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, 2017. Yeah, they both of those years, actually. They, they years, got out of it in 2018. Yeah, 2018, we got out. Yeah. Okay. And and Sunin took over the club at what? When it was in 2017. 2016. So he went through two years of downside, uh, of, of, of a turmoil time where he had to take them out of the ground and help them. And, and they were in a deficit, I, I, w- I would assume, because I don't know too much of the history of what has happened in the last decade. But I've, read, I've written a little bit about it. But I know that it wasn't, there wasn't stability with Inter. Um, they haven't won for almost a decade. And you've gone through like so many managers within that four-year period. And yeah. then players and everything, the outfall with a Cardi after happened. But... I do agree with you. There, there's a plan. There is a goal to be achieved here with Internal. There, there's, there's an identity. And I was listening to a pod today, and the owner who bought Catania, and he said it perfect of why James Pelotta had failed at Roma versus, say, a guy like Suning, who hasn't failed at Inter, but at the same time has earned the respect of the fans. And, the, the, and you said it perfect. With Inter they're trying to win they're, they they are respecting what the fans want and when you own a team in italy you can't think that you're the owner and you want to fill your pockets with money it doesn't work like that when you buy an italian club there's a philosophy you're buying there there's an identity that these people have been used to for so many decades that it's not like north american sports where you can buy say the Toronto Maple Leafs and you come in and they, no one cares if you win or lose they the fans yeah. do but they don't they don't turn on you because tomorrow yeah. they're going to show up that's yeah. all North American sports is in Italy there is a culture there is an identity that these guys want somebody who's going to come in and respect that what they believe in and that's what Suning's done here he's come in and he's shown to the fans that this is how it's going to be. We need to buy players. We need to put a product on the field that people are going to like. And that's what he's done. Whereas James Pelota told the fans to go fuck themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that, you do that, you already want to get shot. Sorry, I, I, I shouldn't say that, but you're, you're asking you're asking for for a lot of bad blood with the fans. They ran him out, out of there real quick, though. Yeah, well... He was there for what, a decade almost? Was he not there for a long no, time? Not that long. It was probably only like five years or so. Five years? The worst five years in Roma's history, though. They're <laughs> what, $300 million in debt or something like that? 
Well, um, and, and the other thing, like when you talk about, uh, you know, the differences in owning a North American sports team versus owning, you know, an Italian soccer club, which is something, you know, Palotta with the Celtics and then and then owning yeah. Roma, like uh, well, you learn so quickly about just how difficult it is to clear obstacles in Italy because Comiso is going through this now in Florence because you, you go in there and you're thinking, I've got all this money, I've got all this influence, I'm going to get a stadium built. Like we're, we're using some, you know, shitty public stadium here and I'm going to do what every American sports team does and I'm going to build my own privately owned facility and we're going to increase the club's revenue. And then you get over to Italy and the bureaucracy is a freaking nightmare because you can't get anything approved because anytime you try to get anything through with the local politicians, it, everything always dies on the vine. Nothing ever passes. And then you get into these situations where you've got this antiquated stadium and they decide, well, you can't tear this down because it's a landmark and you can't move your team. And, and, and you just get stuck in quicksand. And people like Palotta and people like Rocco Comiso are not expecting to run into these problems. And then, of course, you know, the, the other big thing, when you compare, you know, owning a, a Serie A club to, you know, an NBA team or, or an NFL team is that, you know, in, in, in most of these North American sports, you've got these salary caps and salary floors. So you know exactly what you're able to spend based on your revenue. And it's so much easier to budget. Right. And, and then you get over, you know, to a European football club and, and you're dealing with you know, and financial fair play is not the same thing as a salary cap because it's it's mm -hmm. different compared to how much revenue your club can generate. It's based on a balance sheet. And uh, and then it's just so much tougher because you think, oh, in North American sports, I've got a set budget and I know what's coming in, revenue sharing. And no, it's nothing like that over in Italy. So if it, it's not, like, if your expectation is this is going to be my ATM, right, that I've owned an NBA club and I'm going to come over and run a, a European football club the same way, you are going to get chased out of town the way that Palota was. And it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, anytime, you know, and of course, uh, what started this conversation is the uncertainty of ownership for Inter. Um, anytime I see any sort of like an American company or an American hedge linked to Inter, I'm like, please, no. And I know Elliot is doing well with Milan. That's one of the exceptions to the rule, right? Because most most American owners, I mean, every Manchester United fan I know hates the Glazers so much. So it's like most American owners just do not get well received in Europe. Yeah. Elliot is doing okay right now with Milan, and I'm I'm happy for them, I guess. But but as far as Inter, please keep the American owners away. I do not want that for my club. No, for sure. No, for sure, and and. I'll go on the topic of Claudio Latito now. Now, people say that he's cheap. But I, I don't think it's just that he's cheap. I think that he doesn't want to be in the situation where Roma is in, say, for example, or what Milan was in, and tr slowly getting back to the Milan days where they're they're starting to balance their budgets and trying to make their, their money and all that, what they used to be. But... <laughs> But um, I, I just think that with, with Lazio, at least he doesn't overexceed the spending. He understands the budget. And this is a club that was able to pay their, their players off two months in advance. And he, he bragged about it. And you know what? Good for him. I would brag about that too if I had a financially stable club who's in the top six position 
and is able to pay their players off in such a bad time. And who would have thought that paying off athletes would be a bragging right in today's world? Like that, 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 that's, that's what it's become. And for me, good for Latito because I, I don't blame him. Sometimes paying $60 million for a player is not always the solution. And many teams have shown that. I'm pretty sure you guys bought who, – who was that guy you guys bought last season for, what, $40 million, Lotaro or La, La, Lazaro? Lazaro? Yeah, v- and, Valentino. Yeah, Valentino, Lazaro. What did you pay that guy? $40 million, though. It was like 25 Still, it 20, was, yeah, it was like twenty-five, maybe twenty-five million. Or, or they're already panicking about Vedat Mariki for twenty million, and imagine having about like that kind of guy, twenty-five million, even more money for Latu. Like a team like Latu cannot really needs to be careful on how they how they spend. Rather err on the side of cheap. Latito is no fool. Yeah, he is not fool, but at least the the, the club is not in a financial situation. Thousand like percent. Yeah. I, I I'm sorry. I I do agree. I want Latito to buy players and to be more competitive, but at the same time, I don't want the club being in a in a situation where we don't know if there's going to be a tomorrow. And we've seen this with a lot of clubs, and we're seeing that with the top clubs right now, where Roma just spends and thinks they can spend, spend, spend until you you kill your club. Uh, Juventus is heading that way too. I understand you own Cristiano Ronaldo, and you got his marketing. When he's gone, what are you worth after? You're going to lose that market share. You're going to lose that that piece of the pie. Had a lot of salary though. When he's gone, that's a lot that's of salary true. they save. And they, that is a lot of salary. You're right about that. But I. I I just don't agree that you just uh, you spend so much to think that you win. Look at look at Milan. Milan's a perfect example. They're not spending a lot of money. They're spending wisely and they're yeah. finding these players for cheap deals which are equating to something much better than what a lot of people thought they would be. You know what I mean? Like Benesser, how much did Benesser Benesser cost? I don't think he cost a lot and um I don't know who else to come off the top of my head uh Kalulu Teo Hernandez, Kalulu. Kalulu was a, just a young guy, and look, he's already looking promising. These are players that your your solid maker, the Michael Lisi's freaking uh, freaking solid Pajuto maker there, but makers. Uh, <laughs> fucking that guy there is like he said a perfect stat that he burned me on. They're unbeaten when he starts. I didn't know yeah. that. Like I, that, I, guy, that guy, that guy works his tail off. Um, I mean, watching him. He's not he's not flashy. He doesn't have much quality, but he he understands the team. He understands the system. He knows his role in the system and he excels in it. He doesn't try anything that he can't do. So far, like I, I don't know how many times you see this guy tracking back to cover for Calabria or whoever his side is on the side with. I like him. He's a good player. He works hard and that's why that's why he's thriving. So that's a good coup. That's a good coup for Milan. It's hard for me to admit a lot of things that they're doing, but Yes, they're doing a lot of good things on that side. I, I just like the teams who don't who don't spend a lot of money and think outside the box and say, "Hey, why am I going to spend eighty million on such and such?" Look at Osimhen; cost it cost Napoli like fifty, sixty million, and I know that it it, it it's a small sample size, so I'm not going to critique him. But let's just say it doesn't work out for him. That's a lot of money that you mm-hmm. invested in a player to hope that he transitions from the league on to Serie A and hoping that. He comes into this league and he produces at that level. Patania, another player who has looked good, who's looked bad, twenty-five million or twenty million it cost him. 
Yes. You you, you add up. Good these days, but you, add, you add those two players up. It's almost seventy million, man. It's a lot of money that your your team's investing in. You gotta think, well, if they don't do well, how are we gonna sell these guys? Are we gonna be able to recoup that money in a time right now where you no one's buying? Everyone's doing loan deals because they don't want to pay the wages, but they know that no one can buy the player. So there's a lot of loans, but there's not a lot of selling. So and 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 this is no cheap shot to Napoli because I don't want to be a blind fool and say that Patania or Osimhen are bad because, like I said earlier in the show, it, it's it's a different season where we we're not accustomed to, and both players have been in and out of the lineup with injuries and unfortunate circumstances and it's a small sample size but i'm just using it as an example but you know what i'm I'm just happy that my club doesn't have these issues where i will they be able to earn money will they be able to pay players then you gotta think about who's going to take over as a team owner and you said a good point you want an owner who who has a vision and will will take over and continue that project that has started that looks like it's promising so the future does look uncertainty right now for Inter. The, the next thing I want to get into, guys, is we we started this uh, basically right at the end of Napoli's surprising loss uh, to Genoa 2-1. My guy, Goran Pandev, who's like 75 years old, get, gets a brace in that game. He scores at the 11th minute, the 26th minute for Genoa, capitalizing on errors by Napoli to put uh, Genoa up 2-0. Uh, finally, Politano got one back. Uh, the 79th minute, and Napoli were pressing for an equalizer. Maybe they should have gotten a penalty at the end of it, but should have. They, yes, they should have. You're right. Yeah, but but still, like the the end result is, um, is you know th- three points dropped, uh, mm-hmm. a really shocking loss. I, I know that some people may have said they saw it coming with with everyone Napoli had out, but I I still think it was it was pretty shocking seeing them drop this decision and. I, I got to ask you guys, is this the end of the road for Gennaro Gattuso? I, I don't think it should be. And, you know, I don't know if, you know, bringing Benitez in is is going to necessarily be a great thing for this side. But there clearly has been a, a feud behind the scenes now between Gattuso and De Laurentiis. I mean, Gattuso said recently, quote, I'm being slaughtered in the media every day. It seems like we are second to bottom, he told Sky Italia. Now we have won, but if I lose the next two... It's up for discussion again, talking about his job. He says, I've always had a good relationship with De Laurentiis, but I cannot deny that after the last 15, 20 days, there is a bit of disappointment on my part for everything that has happened. Everything was badly managed, in my opinion, full stop. So unfortunately, when when a manager is in this type of situation, we've been wondering about this for two weeks guys and and Jerry, you and I talk a lot with our friend Joe from Fort Sinopoli pod. So for the last three, four weeks, you kind of feel like Gattuso's walking on eggshells and it's like, no matter how many games they win, you feel like the next loss could be the one that gets him sacked. That, that it's almost like De La Rentis might be thinking, I'm just waiting for this team to drop points again, or I'm waiting for Gattuso to lose a game. And then I'm done. Like, like Jerry, do you think that this might be now? And I don't think it's the right decision. Again, I, I think they should give him till the end of the season. But could this be the end of the road for Gattuso? No, I don't think so. I think he was in a difficult situation today. Like, he had a few players out because of COVID. Um, Manolas got hurt during the game. It, 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 it's got players that are just returning from injury. And he has to, like, really be careful how he uses them. He can't use them for a full game. 
it, it was just two bad mistakes in the back end. Maximovich, I think, made the first one where he kind of didn't get the ball and he, he mistimed or he lost control of it. I, I don't remember. Or or is it a bad pass he made? A bad pass by Maximovich, okay. yes. Okay. Then they, they could have control it. Yeah, okay, that was it. Thank you. And mm-hmm. for me, it, it it's scary now because this is a team that really has a crack in the glass here. Let's just say that there's a crack, and it's starting to, to break even more. And they look like they're a very fragile team where a loss like this can really hurt them going forward. And I and I said this last week. I'm happy that Lazio didn't make it to the next round of the Coppa Italia. And this was the reason why. Because look how much they're playing now. They're playing again this week on Tuesday, I believe. And then they go this weekend again to play. Then the week after, they start Europa League. They go back to the league. They go to Europa got- League. Um, I think they got Juve this week too, right? Right after the the Copa, right? No, no, no. I think it, you're right. I Saturday. think you're right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. See what I mean? Like the so Atalanta this, and Juve. Yeah. And, and the problem with the Europa League is they play an extra two games. So if they're to advance to the next round into the round of sixteen, they're gonna play right after two more games because during the first round of the co- of the Champions League. There are an additional two legs of Europa League in that span as well. So that's an extra two games that people are not looking at if Napoli or Roma as well are to advance. But that 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 that's why I didn't want Lazio to go through. And now Napoli's heading in that direction. And you're seeing that their squad, I know that they have depth in their squad, but I haven't seen the depth being used this year. And squad rotation was the biggest downfall to Gattuso where he should have maybe used different players in Coppa Italia and not focus on every single cup. And I think that's the problem here. Whereas Lazio did that two years ago where they they put all their eggs in one basket everywhere and it hurt them. And injuries started to compile. They didn't have the depth on the bench. And I'm seeing that with Napoli right now. But given the circumstances as well, COVID having helped them as well. So, yeah. I don't think this is Gattuso's fault, but the it, it's he can win the next five games in a row, and I still think he's done regardless because – At the end of the year, yeah. Not even the end of the year. I think even before then because really? there's there's just too much friction in the in the office, and if De Laurentiis is not going to talk to Gattuso, say, and Gattuso doesn't talk to Laurentiis, and there's a lot of mutiny and friction and – I think that the owner is ego is always going to be in the way, and he's going to pull the plug and say, "You know what? You're out the door. I don't give a shit. This is what it is." Yeah, like that. I Gattuso knows already that he it, the writing's on the wall. He knows that it's either now or at the end of the season, and he's probably saying that I'm gone before the end of the season. So I'm going to do. That's why he's doing the three four three. He's doing like the, the rotation. He's trying everything to see. You know what? I'm going to just try everything. I got nothing to lose exactly. now. Exactly. He's got nothing to lose because he knows that within three or four games, he's gone. And bringing Benitez – and here's another problem I don't like now. This this hurts. So they spent all this money to buy players Napoli, right? You're going you're going backwards again. You got rid of Ancelotti. Now you're, you got rid of, say, Gattuso. 
You got rid of Saudi before Ancelotti. There's no continuity here. There, there isn't a foundation, a philosophy where they're able to keep a manager long term and say, this is what we're going to go for the next three, four years. This is what we're going to set out to do. Yeah, you have a bad season. That's fine. You go to the next season now. Like, you can't just have he, – he saved his team last year, and now he's getting shit on. Like, <laughs> like well, what's the next manager? The same they, thing? They need to get our guy Spalletti in there. That's who they need. <laughs> yeah, like, most definitely. With the squad that they have, I think uh, with the, those wingers, um, that that would be ideal for Spalletti. But to answer the question, Dono, um, I think that it may be it for him um, if they lose next week to Juve because when you think about it, like, they, they spent money. Because personally, when they went and spent what sixty million on Osman, I was convinced that they were going to sell Kulibali uh, to to pretty much offset that, and they ended up keeping them. So that's money that they spent. That I guess they had other players that they had sold that the money it added up at the end of the day. But um, I'm I say that to say this: um, De Laurentiis, he's he's, um, he's investing in the team for a reason. And the fact that you keep losing to teams like Gen- Genoa and they have too many bumps on the road that you cannot explain. And when you look at the rosters, you see that they they create plenty plenty of shots on goal. That's been them since the Sari days. That hasn't changed much. Ancelotti, mm. same thing. They create plenty, but they can't seem to score. So I think that if a guy like Allegri or Spalletti is available, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Benitez. Um, Neither am I. But the, but those two, I think that you you just have to do it because I personally think thought that they would be the main team with Inter Inter of course to be challenging. But I've been I've been disappointed so far. So somebody's so, got to pay for it. Yeah. So I I, w- I want to go over a couple more results from uh, from Saturday in Serie A. Like, is there even? Um, you know, I, I want to get to this one first before we get to the most shocking result. But um, I, I don't even know if I have a whole lot to say about Juventus two 0 victory over Roma because that was really the, that was a a vintage Juventus performance. That was the type of performance you got accustomed to during the Allegri era. You know, certainly not during the Sadi era, and certainly not during the Pirlo era this year. And Pirlo's learning on the job. Like, we know that. The guy has no coaching experience whatsoever prior to this season. You're going to expect bumpy results. Tactically, I thought he got it all wrong against Inter a couple of weeks ago. Um, maybe he learned from that because they, they've they been on very good form ever since, and they did get one back against Inter and Coppa Italia uh, because I, I thought that the way Juventus played in this game, you know, the way that they were willing to absorb – Roma's pressure. Roma, I thought uh, Fonseca didn't really approach this one right because Roma are so vulnerable to counterattacks and they played perfectly into Juve's strength in making the pay in that way. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo scoring, uh, you know, an own goal uh, was the second one. And really that came after Roma was threatening and pressing for much of the second half. And and they they deserve more from this game. You could argue that. You could argue that, that they deserve to get an equalizer because they created a lot of chances in the second half. But then when you overextend trying to find the game-tying goal, that allowed Juve to find the soft spot. So this was this was an Allegri-like performance, and it's a reminder that Juventus were now back in third. They jump Roma with this result, and they have the game in hand. This team is not going away anytime soon. And, you know, Dave, Jerry, and I have talked a lot since before this season started, you know, making our Scudetto picks and all that. Um 
Of course, I'd, I'd love to see Inter win it, and it's very important for them, given their financial situation, to try and get yeah. it this year. But yeah. I, I, I still, I still favor uh, Juventus. I think Juventus are going to figure it out enough to probably grind it out at the end of the day. So, what do you think about that? And what did you think about their performance today? Well, the performance today was actually quite impressive, in my opinion, because um, it was mature. It was they were compact, like you said. Um, well. I was just looking at the stats. Um, they only had what three shots on target the whole game, and they scored wow. two. You know, and um, in the second half, they didn't have any shots on target at all. Uh, I, I'm saying that because it seems like they've they've discovered that that old Juve way of just win, baby. You know, fino um, alla fine, whatever they say. But it looked like they they were there. They knew that their chances the chances were gonna come. They let Roma hold the ball. Roma created a lot, you know, a lot of passing, a lot of here and there, but you haven't seen anything dangerous. I don't think that um, you could say that, oh, my God, what a chance that Roma created. They should have scored on this one. It seems like there were blocks here and there every single time. So Juve had a, had a shape. They kept their shape. They frustrated Roma, Roma it seemed, and when they got they, they, they shot, they got a guy that is one of the best in the world still. You know, and it doesn't take he doesn't need three or four chances to hurt you. And he did that. And as far as the second goal, um, my boy Kulusevsky, um the what Swedish can I say? fish, you call him. The Swedish fish, I used to call him. Um <laughs> this guy, man, he's his talent. I, I really love him. He made a beautiful run. Of course, uh he was he was trying to cut it back, but that run is what created the goal. He's he's his dangerous player, man. He's a very dangerous player. But Juve in general, um, to talk about the Scudetto race, I think it would be disrespectful. Well, it was disrespectful to count them out when they were struggling. You know, they've won it nine times in a row for a reason. You know, and by default, just out of respect, they should be the favorites. You know, but personally, if I had to say it, I'll say I have Inter finishing first. I have Juve the second. I have Milan, my third. And fourth is... I changed I change that every week, man. But my fourth right now, I'm going to stick with uh, Lazio, just for my for my boy Jerry. <laughs> and, and and to pick up on that real quick, Jerry, before you cut in, uh, you, you guys know I spent a lot of time perusing the sports books, and and that's actually the the order. I don't I'm not sure about fourth because like it's hard to even say that there's a fourth contender for the Scudetto. But I know like the Scudetto odds. On on the sports books are in that exact order that that Inter are the betting favorite. I think mm -hmm. they're either I think they're plus one twenty five or plus one fifty. I'm staying very far away from that because I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not I'm not <laughs> on that. But like like Inter are the favorites. I think it's around plus one fifty, and then Juventus is either plus two hundred or plus two fifty. Milan is like plus three hundred. So that's that's the exact way the sports books have it. But uh, Jerry, what did you think about Juventus this morning? Um, I thought they're starting to look much better. Uh, that, that that's one hundred percent. They're moving the ball much better. They look more cohesive, more co the, the midfield looks much more stable. Um, I'm not a believer on Arthur still. I, I know I get chewed on by our friend Lucci. He he's a big believer of Arthur. I think the the one thing that I want to be more convinced about is that can Arthur make those long passes? Can he? No, I I understand he makes the side passes. He passes back. But I, I noticed in the second half he was playing more deeper towards his net, and 
I was trying to curious, like trying to find out why is he playing so deep and not so much more forward? Isn't he the attacking midfielder who's supposed to be generating the play around him? And that's something I don't see too often. Like I know that he his pass accuracy rate was like around eighty nine percent today, but people have to look into how many of those passes. passes. Yeah, what are those passes? They're they're short passes. They're not long passes, and that's that's something that this team has been missing for so long is that long pass that that down the wing, down the middle, and for me that that's what's missing for um, for Juventus. I, I don't want to hit on Arthur. It's it, it's a small sample size, so I don't want to be very judgmental on him. He he's been slowly integrated into the lineup. I don't I saw a tweet today where someone had mentioned to Lucci and it was a good point. I don't think it was Arthur's bad form of why he was playing so little at the beginning. It, it's the fact that they were trying to ease him into Juventus's system and just slowly integrating him into the actual lineup. It was I, I personally do agree with this tweet. It, it's not that he was bad or the thing with Arthur is, and a lot of people, this is why he kind of was always down the pecking order in La Liga is that his his fitness level is very poor. That that's and I saw he made a bad pass today. He took a yellow card. His defensive game is so bad that I, I wonder if they made him play so deep in the back because he was on a yellow and they didn't want him to concede a second yellow because if he plays high. And when he tries to track back, he's very vulnerable. And that's his downfall to his game where his defensive side, his athleticism is really poor. Um, I think that he can make the, the, the pass that is needed. He just needs to be more confident. That That's just the way I look at him and, and his game. Um, there are spurts where he looks really good. And there were spurts where I saw him, like I say, give a poor, poor pass, which led to a, a chance for Roma today. So, Roma sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't give a crap. I don't. It's not, I know that they're they're my rival, but they and, just and, and Jerry. So and you, know, you you had the stat today so on social bad. media. How bad have they been against the top six? They still haven't gotten a victory. I mean, they they got they got draws against Milan and Inter, and I still I still have huge regrets about that draw because Inter should have closed out that game. And when Milan drew with them, they were missing a ton of guys, including Ibra and Donnarumma. And that was like a weird officiating game um, as well. There were a lot of officiating mistakes in that game back in the day. But outside of that, and Roma did have a, a draw with Juventus as well, the first matchup, but they haven't gotten any wins against these sides. No, they haven't. And they have, what, 11 or 12 attempts on net today? And yeah. they had, like, what, one one converted target? Like, one on target? Like, you, you got to do better with your 11 chances. If you're controlling the play of the game and you can't score against the best teams, you they got a clean sheet against Juventus. Now they got they didn't they, they didn't get a goal against Juventus. They didn't get a goal against Lazio. Um, they were lucky to get Inter. I don't know. That's because Handanovic had a shit game that day. But anyways, but, um, but and, and and Conte Conte botched it with his subs in that game. I will give you that he did. But this, this is a Roma side that just can't beat the top teams because they're not a top team. They've overachieved. Like, yeah, you can beat every team that is, well, say, ninth and down or tenth down. They can't beat Verona, and they can't beat Sassuolo. Like, Joseph from uh, Forza Napoli podcast put a better tweet than I did where I didn't even know they lost to Sassuolo as well. Or they tied them. They tied them, sorry. 0-0, mm -hmm. that's right. Yeah. But 
I think they got embarrassed by Napoli, right? Like it was four yeah. zero or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that, that that was right after uh, Maradona died. So they like. Oh they, yeah. They, yeah, they, they could have had the greatest Roma squad ever, and they weren't going to win that game. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just not convinced with Roma. I, I said from the beginning of the year, I had them, what, finishing eighth or ninth, uh, Alex, I said. Yeah. And I stand, I stand by that, where I don't think they're a good team. They they have a lot of flaws. Kambula didn't look good today. Um, that's $20 million, big investment. People are saying lots of should go buy him. But how do you invest $25, 20000000 in a 20-year-old that you, you – who had one good season, uh, Aramani. What's his name? The guy from Napoli, Rachmani. Rachmani. Okay, he's got potential, but when he's played in the lineup, he. What oh, no, are you talking about, Kumbula? Kumbula, you're. I'm going about. both. I'm, I'm going with just Hellas Verona players. Oh, now. okay, sorry. I'm, going, I'm sorry. I'm going side topic, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they they made a lot of money on players who were one season wonders, and we don't know if they're gonna be able to go forward for another five good seasons. That's a big risk of 20 million on a player who had one good year. You got to give me something more concrete. And I think Iglitardi did a good job here where he didn't, he didn't bite the bullet and say, Hey, we're going to buy this guy for 25 million because of his one good year with Verona. Like it, I know that Inzaghi wanted him, but maybe Tade was onto something where, okay, maybe there is a reason why we don't need to buy Kumbula. So, to me, it, it, it was good business. But overall, I, I, Juventus just looks better. They got two clean sheets in Serie A. Something to, to look at as well. Chiellini looks like the old self. As much as I hate Juventus, I, I, don't, I, don't, uh, I don't wish bad on players and, and what they have to go through to recover. Yeah, maybe he, he's a Juventus player, but he's a damn good freaking defender. And good for him that he's been able to get back to the level that he was playing so well at prior to his injury. And now that he's in form, he looks he looks like the old Killini before he got hurt. He looks better than Bonucci, and Bonucci hasn't even been hurt as bad as he has. Oh, yeah. like, that, that's sad. Okay? Miles better. Yeah. Bonucci Miles is so better. shit. How the fuck does that guy still get playing time? I don't understand. That guy there is so fucking garbage. He is the raunch of fucking. I think. I think if Juventus decided, <laughs> I think if, if Juventus decides the rest of the year, let Bonucci be the cheerleader on the sideline, and you let Demerol, you let Dalit, you let Kalini play the back three. Let them do what they got to do, and whoever else they want in that back three, Quadrado, I'm, I'm okay with him too. I thought he was decent today when he came out as a sub. Um, don't put Bonucci on. That guy's a liability. He gives you a from a hundred percent chance to winning to a fifty percent chance of winning. That's what he does. Like he's just he's ferocious, man. I think he got away with a foul today too, uh, if I re- recall, with an elbow. Um, yeah, he did. Yeah, he. he, he, he you're guaranteed a yellow card from that guy per game. And the question is, we don't know where it's going to happen. <laughs> I, I want to go over one more result. And I, I, I almost regret saving this one for last because I, I know this is really going to get Jerry going. Drama in Bergamo today. Okay. So Atalanta. And and, and this, this is, these are the hold best on, times. Hold on. Hold on. Fuck Gasparini. Did you see who scored for Sevilla today? Did you see my Papu. boy Papu? Papu. Hey, Papu. Papu. Hey, Papu. 
<laughs> they could have used him today, I think, Atalanta. So so Atalanta and, and Jerry, this is and, and Dave, this is the best thing about being on social media, like watching this unfold during during a calcio game. So Atalanta, they get three quick goals to go ahead, right? Uh, Ilicic scoring early. Uh, Muriel makes it 3-0 in the 21st minute. And the entire timeline is just a giant orgy of Atalanta support. Like, oh, my God, this team is incredible. Look what Atalanta is doing. They're going to beat Torino 8-0 by the time this game is over. And, oh, they're not even missing Papu Gomez. Who Screw that guy. Uh, Gasperini is, is God's gift to coaching. And then they go on to give up three unanswered Bellotti, who I'm, I'm always happy to see him perform. And I hope he gets the hell out of Torino because he deserves better. Uh, and, and Bonazzoli ends up scoring in the 84th minute, very dramatic to get the three, three draw. I'm going to break it down in simple terms with Atalanta because people don't seem to understand this. Everyone overreacts to a great performance and a terrible performance. Atalanta, it's very clear to me, when when this team is, is putting together a top-level performance, they are capable of not only beating but embarrassing anyone in Serie A. That includes Juventus, that includes Inter, that includes Milan, that includes Lazio, Napoli. When Atalanta are in top form, they are capable of putting on an absolute show, right? And, and that's what gets people so hot and bothered because they know what they're capable of. But the squad is not consistent enough and they're not deep enough. So they are capable not only of embarrassing the top clubs, they are also capable of dropping points like they did today against an awful Torino side. I, I don't know why it's so hard for people to figure out that Atalanta are not consistent. Because it, it seems like every time Atalanta have a great game and they blow out a good team, it's like, oh, are they coming for the Scudetto? No, they're not coming for the Scudetto. They might end up finishing top four, you know, as they've done the last couple of years. I'm not going to put that pad. That could still be very well within their grasp this season. But people always try to make this team a Scudetto contender. You know, mm -hmm. unfortunately, when you have to rely on the lack of depth that they have, and everyone's so impressed with what they can do with a very low payroll, and I give Gasparini credit for that, obviously, but when you've got so many young players who are, you know, who are on, you know, cheap wages – Unfortunately, you're going to get the consistency you pay for. They're capable of doing great things. Gasparini's system is wonderful, but you cannot expect them to perform at those levels over the course of a 38-game league season. And then you also throw in Champions League for them the last couple of years, and they keep advancing, which is good for them, but then that also thins out their squad for Serie A. So uh, people need to accept the fact that this is who Atalanta is. They're capable of reaching top four. They're capable of putting together virtuoso performances, but you cannot expect them to really contend for a Scudetto because you don't know from week to week what version of Atalanta is going to step up. I agree with you, man. Uh, that's, that's, I've been saying that Atalanta, they're a good team, but at the same time, they're shit. Like they're, they're, they're like, they're, I just don't – I've never rated them. I'm sorry. I don't care if you can score six goals every week. Sco s trying to win by outscoring your opponent, like, from – that's the point of the game, I understand. But to outscore with six goals, five goals, right. it just becomes unrealistic, okay? Um, I didn't get to watch the game today, so I was shooting out tweets today, not knowing what 
the fuck <laughs> out of me, okay? Like, let's just get this straight. I was at work till 12. I didn't, I just got home on time, half tired watching Roma versus Juve. And people are like saying, you know that Papu Gomez? Like, Frank's right. I know he's not a defender. I, I, I credit Frank 100%. He called me on my tweet. But my tweet is that it, my, I, I tweeted out that they without Papu Gomez, they're not better. But I, I don't like how Papu has been shit on. And and this guy helped them so much to win games, to make them a better team. And all of a sudden, he leaves, and it's like, oh, Papu. Without Papu, they're fine. They've always been fine. I know that Gasparini's done a good job with this team. But it doesn't change the, my, my opinion. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> Gasparini is the biggest piece of shit that, that – that oh, my God. Like, it, it's terrible. I can't imagine if this guy coached Roma, how much more I would hate him. But, like <laughs> – like, like I just think that guy really did a couple years ago. He nearly went to Roma before Fonseca got there. Oh wow, that that would have been awesome because we would have seen Roma. Actually, that's not awesome because then who knows what? You know what? Who knows? Because yeah. Gasparini has has the backing of the ownership at the at Atalanta, whereas Roma didn't have an identity, nothing. So he probably would have hit the ground hard, knowing how things have gone. Like. And, and and also like in in Rome, especially in Roma, because uh, and and Jerry, and I know that you know this that when it comes to like media coverage, Roma yeah, gets man. five times yeah, what Lazio gets. Like like that 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 that's the bigger pressure cooker is being the manager of Roma. And we you know we saw mm. you know Gasparini when he's gotten a chance at uh, and of course like when he was at Inter, you know the state of the club it was banter era, so you you couldn't expect him to get Mourinho like results. But still, you know the pressure of the media on Inter, I thought was too much for him. And and Roma is a weird, weird pressure cooker compared to basically anywhere else in Italy. I I think that he might have been crushed in that pressure there. Well, I just don't think Atalanta has the depth that everybody talks about. Like when they were playing Lazio on a back to back, I kind of saw that. The, th- the first game they lost was not because Atalanta had beaten Lazio because they were better. They beat them because Lazio beat themselves. That's how they lost the game. And then they followed up in the second game and destroyed them. And I get that Gosens wasn't in the lineup, and I get that Hatabor wasn't in the lineup. But I thought Atalanta was so good that we got these players that can come in. Like, if you're going to talk so hype, so like big about Atalanta and say that they're the best team, they got all these players – so you should not have a problem winning games. And I'm not going to call out people on who has called out about Atalanta and they're the, the, the best thing. I'm very happy for the fans because mm-hmm. of what they, what they have gone through. So I will not wish anything about, bad against the fans because the fans haven't disrespected me. But when you have an, a manager who is a dickhead and, and insults Lazio after the game saying that we're, we're second to them, and then our our assistant manager has to say, or however you call it, his his associate, associate Ferris says, "Well, we got the Coppa Italia right now at, at the Formello." It's like you want to talk a big talk, we'll back it up too. Don't worry. And just I'm going side topic here, but I'll go back on course. Atalanta is just not a good team. Toloi is shit. Toloi's shit. I'm sorry. I didn't like him against Lazio when I watched the game. I think he's slow, out of position, overcommits too high like a Cherby does, and he Ooh. can't run back. So he's a liability. And then you've got Palomino. Palomino's a fat, lazy piece of crap. <laughs> lazy crap. Guy, guys, oh, God, he's terrible. Oh, he, 
it's an it's an embarrassment that guy still plays in the back three, and I honestly think Atalanta's defense makes Romero better look better than what he is. Maybe I don't know. I'm surprised he's having a good season to be honest. Well, real quick um, on Atalanta, I think the thing is um, what they they built their brand on and their success is that mentality of us against the world, the the whole underdog situation, and that's been a couple of years now. So the shtick is kind of getting old. And now teams are, are circling Atalanta on their calendars, you know? So mm. it's, a pressure, it's a pressure that they're not used to dealing with. They get up for big games when they know that the enters, the U of A's are coming. I'm sure Gasparini has all types of uh, bulletin board material for, for his players to be motivated, but they don't care about Torino, especially after being up 3-0. And, and, and what, they scored their goals within the first 15 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. So at the end of the day, they thought that it was it was gonna be it was gonna be a walk in the park, and in sports, sometimes once you've switched off, you cannot switch it back on, especially if the other team smells blood. So I kind of could tell, I kind of saw that goal coming because when you look at the stats, it's not like Torino created three chances and created and scored three goals. Create um, Torino had many more um, shots on goal. I don't remember the numbers up top, but I'm pretty sure they had many more shots on goal than Atalanta. So they built. They created and then they they got a fair they got a fair result, but Atalanta I think they're gonna be fine. I think they they will be in the in the conversation for top four, but they're probably not gonna get it. But I think they could they could get a Europa spot for sure. Um, because on on their day they're as good as anybody on the team and in the league. So it's a matter of how many times it's gonna be their day, how many times they're gonna be motivated or whatnot. So there, there's one more thing I want to close the episode on this note. Even though uh, I, I don't want to take Jerry's focus away from Cagliari, I, I think Lazio is going to win that game. And and also for for Dave and I, you know, we still have Juventus coming up midweek in the Coppa Italia. But still, since we have two Interisti and a Laziale here on the panel, uh, I, I want predictions from everybody on Inter hosting Lazio next week. This is a really tough one for me because I could see any possible result. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think either team's going to run away with it. I could see a one-goal victory for either side. I could absolutely see a draw. That was the result they had earlier this year. The midfield battle here, I think, is going to be epic, especially with the form Barella has been in. I, I hope we get good uh, Vidal and not bad Vidal. You know, we certainly know what SMS and Luis Alberto are capable of for Lazio. Uh, I think this game could be like one and lost based on the wingbacks, right? Because Hakimi on the right side for Inter, Lazio on the right side for Lazio. Both I, I could see like a, an assist or a goal for either or both of those guys in the game. So this is going to be really good. I, I might even straddle the fence here and say 1-1 draw. I, I'm, I'm kind of hoping for like a, a late Lukaku goal to get a 2-1 for Inter, but I think it's going to be something like that, man. I think it could be a 2-1 for Inter, a tight game or a 1-1. What do you think, Dave? Well, personally, um, if I if I have to go with my mind, then personally, yes, I, I'll say one one is is would be the fair result when you talk when you look at Lazio's form and Inter's form as well. And the thing is, Lazio are the hottest team in the league, like you're saying, and they're probably going to destroy Cagliari tomorrow. So that's going to be a uh, more steam, more win in their back at their back. And then the thing about Lazio is they're not scared of anybody. So they're gonna come. They're gonna come to San Siro, and they're gonna try to beat us. So I can see anything happening, but more. What I feel the most is a draw. It's a one-one draw, 
Uh, now, if we want to talk about what I wish, I, I just wish we destroyed them, and then I could I could come back on and make fun of Jerry. But <laughs> let's, let's let's see what happens. <laughs> And also, uh, I, I can't wait to see the dirty looks between Vidal and Cheeto Immobile because they they got oh. into it in the last game, and then Cheeto like didn't didn't Cheeto like slap? Oh him? yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. It got set off. It got set off. Yes. <laughs> what do you think, Gary? I think that Lazio's at the is at an advantage this week because Juventus plays Inter, and I think that Inter is going to go all in in that match. Because and by the way, I kind of hope they don't. Like I, I know, I, and, and Conte is going to go all in, but it's like, man, you, you need a two goal victory uh, to to get that to to move forward after a disappointing result this past week. Like I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Like if it were me, I'd 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 rest some bodies, but I don't think Conte is going to do that. Yeah. Um, I just he think it's not just Conte. You also have to think about the players. Do the players want to sit back and just lose against Juventus? I don't think so. No. I think they're going to go all in as well. You have to think about as a as a player, do you want to lose on Wednesday in a Copa Italia semifinal versus Juventus? Like I, I think the Inter is going to go all in. Um, mm-hmm. They're going to have Lukaku back for that match, which he missed the last Hakimi game. As well. Hakimi's back. And I think Hakimi was the biggest loss versus Juventus. Not... Not Lukaku in that in that case, and I'll only say one reason is his speed can make a big difference down that wing. Um, a guy like Lukaku should, yeah, you want him to, but you have Lataro and you have and you okay. have Sanchez. Where, well, who was it that scored? It was a Lataro that scored in that game. Lataro, yeah. 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 So he did what he had to to score a goal, and. So that that wasn't the issue. The issue was two two stupid mistakes that led them to the loss. I, I think that Juventus could be breaking down versus Inter. We saw the on the first meeting before this, where it was pure domination from Inter. So I don't see why they can't win that game. Um, if I'm Lazio, I would rest Manuel Lazio and Chiro Immobile tomorrow, because both are not 100%. And this is the game where you know Inter is coming up next Sunday. I would. And I know that you want the full three points and you want to be in the top four after this weekend. I say you put Vidat Mariki in up front with Correa and you you go with the guy who's shown to score two goals against Atalanta, maybe even a third if you want to count Parma. And he's starting to show his form, take the hot streak. He's showing that he can play right now. Put him in against, against a Cagliari side that is struggling for form and just can't they just can't win right now. And then you got Manuel Lazzari, who's not 100%, who's been overused. You shift Marisic onto the right side. And I would think, I would use Sana Lulic tomorrow and put him on the left. If he, if you, if they say that he's ready and he's healthy, this is a game that you bring him in. You bring him for 45 minutes and you bring Manuel Lazzari in for 45 minutes or you bring Fadis if you don't want to start Lulic. That's another option. I, I just think that these are players that you need to like think about you want to risk injury to Immobile or to, and you bring them off the bench if, if worse comes to worse, because you want them ready against Inter next weekend. And if that's, that, that's how I would approach. And now Lazio is in an advantage. And I think that Lazio can win this game with the form they're showing. Um, they, they prove Is Luis Alberto out? Yes. Oh, he's back. They're back. He's back. They, Lazio have most of their players back. And, I can't see why, you know what? I'm, I'll, I'll I'll go with the one-one draw, but I I wouldn't be surprised if Lazio were to win this game. I, I wouldn't shock me. They've 
they've looked much better against the top six teams than they have against the bottom six teams. That's true. That, that's how stupid this team is. <laughs> they, they they put in very good performances against Atalanta twice, where they should have won the first one in the second game of the year, but they had injuries to start the year, and they, they didn't bury their chances. Um, they were dominant against Roma. They were they they were probably the better team against Juventus, but didn't they lacked quality in the final third, but came at the end. Um, against Inter, I thought they played pretty decent, considering that they had lost two center backs in that game and had to. They revert. got they got down to ten men in the game and actually played yeah. really well down to ten. And, and they reverted to Marco Parolo as a center back. So they 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 beat Napoli two nothing. They came close to being Milan, where they 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 played really good. They should have had they should have had the win. So I I, I don't I think that this is a, a game that they need to take advantage. And if Inter actually goes 120 minutes, I'll say 100 percent. Not I'll say 70 percent that Lazio will probably win the game. If in hold on, last, my last point. Whatever happens on Wednesday, and if it does go into extra time, bearing if it does go into extra time, I think Lazio wins the game. If Inter concedes early and they're losing three nothing, I think that Inter can can steal the points because they're already tapped out and they're already looking forward to the next game. So Wednesday's game basically decides how Inter will approach their following game. I think that's basically how you should look at it. Maybe I could see that, and and we'll wrap up on that note. Huge thanks to Dave uh, for those watching. You can see the Twitter handle for those listening. It's at Forza Inter Haiti. And it's nice, uh, by the way, to get a, a fellow South Floridian on because because Dave and I are both in. The, even though he's a Jets fan and I'm a Dolphins fan, we can still. Giant, we can still oh, I'm sorry. What? Oh, I screwed. Ooh, I screwed that up. But my apologies, man. My, you know what? I like you better, baby. You're a Knicks fan, is that right? Yes, Knicks fan. All that, New York sports. Okay. Knicks fan. Oh God, God bless you, man. The Knicks. I know, man. I know. I know, man. Oh, when was the last time they were good, man? Not, not in my lifetime. Fuck, it's like being an Oilers fan. I'm an Oilers fan in the NHL, man. You see? So you can relate. Can I relate? Oh, God. I've seen playoffs once. (laughs) Once in the last 13 years. I I missed 2006 when we went to the Stanley Cup Finals. God damn it. One one goal away. Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) God, don't remind me. Well, guys, thank thank you very much for having me. It was really a pleasure. I really had a great time. I didn't even see the time go. I know uh, it goes by so fast, and and every time we do one of these, I say, "Oh, we're going to keep it within an hour." Then it ends up ninety minutes, two hours. It, it's yeah, all right. so make sure you guys and, and Dave is a really good follow on Twitter. Uh, whether you're an Inter supporter or not, I think any Calcio supporter would appreciate at Forza Inter Haiti. Jerry Mancini as well. You can follow at J Mancini Eight. Jerry, you writing anything this week? You pumping out thirty stories? I got a match preview. I, I actually have to tweet out now. I forgot, but. Uh... I have like nine articles pending that I have in my computer and, and uh, I'm actually going to believe it or not, I'm actually going to write a Roma piece and it's going to be on, uh, I, I haven't got to it. It's been in, in the back files for the last six months, but um, I've uh, wanted to do one on uh, what's his name? The guy who just retired the big. Um, Did yeah, I want to do a, a, an article on Did I want to get, an interview perspective from uh, Stevens um, from uh, Steve Chavillo. Steve Chavillo. Yeah, I've been talking to him, and I want to get his perspective on him. And that's one guy I respect as a Lazio fan of him and his time with uh, Roma. And I know that the the the, the ultras, the Couvernor, did something very nice when he retired. And like 
they had like a banner for him. I know it was a mixed reviews, mixed opinion about it, but I don't think he's ever been disrespectful to Lazio as Totti was, whereas Totti was a pure piece of crap to us. And he did that cell phone celebration piece of shit. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll always love him for winning a, a World Cup, but I'll always hate him for being a Roma fan and being a piece of shit. But that that, that comes with the whole the whole the whole gig but yeah i i got a piece i'm writing on vidat mariki and how he's starting to turn it around with lazio nice well good stuff you guys can follow me at alex dono and uh obviously if you're here you already know about calcio connection you can check out my shows at onside radio as well and hey make sure you follow calcio connection on twitter uh, at calciocon pod and um, I know that you may be watching this on YouTube. If you're watching it, you want to make sure you subscribe to our audio podcast. Uh, just search for Calcio Connection on any of the podcast platforms. Subscribe, leave a five-star rating. And if you are listening to this, you know that you can catch the video replays on YouTube uh, or you can even watch the shows live. And it's it's sporadic. We don't always have a set time. When we decided to get to go, we go. So you can watch them live or you can check it out at our YouTube channel. Just search for Calcio Connection. So again, huge thanks to Dave. Huge thanks to Jerry. We'll talk to you guys next time on another episode of the Calcio Connection podcast. Ciao.